Welcome to episode 191 of the Formula One Grid Talk podcast. Today we're here to preview the 2022 Miami Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have sports journalist Louis Edwards. Hello. Plus everything F1's Tom Downey. Hello. And Coops. Hello. Hello. Uh, first, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shout out all of you who do to say thanks. And if you're one of the 74% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. So the big news this week was that despite the agreement from teams, F1 will not be doubling the amount of sprint races for the 2023 season. Louis, the sprint race format was introduced to F1 last season with sprints taking place at Silverstone, Monza and Brazil. We had a sprint last weekend in Imola, but tell me, what do you believe has impacted this decision? I think it probably comes down to cost. You know, with these, um, you know, with the budget cap that is... um, in, in place now the teams have to be very careful um you know where they spend their money and you know with a sprint race anything can happen you can the car can crash you can have an engine failure anything that is going to set about the team a lot of money um and it's just unnecessary even though the teams wanted to push forward and have more races i think they'll be kind of um grateful for the fact that they don't um <laughs> need to spend sort of you know, more excessive money on, um, you know, you know, extra sprint races, which may or may not end up in, in failure. And, you know, as we were sort of discussing last week with Imola, their um, sprint races aren't always the best and you have to really pick and choose which tracks you're going to see good racing for. So I think it's probably best to still keep it with three, test out new tracks and then maybe increase it to six um, from there. Yeah, absolutely. And in other news for 2023, Tom, uh, it's been announced that F1 will be trialling a revised qualifying format next year, mandating the use of certain tyre compounds in each session. The trial will happen at two events next season, and in it, drivers must use the hard compound in Q1, the medium in Q2, and the soft in Q3. Do you think this could give qualifying a shake-up? It could do, because obviously some cars will react differently to certain tyres. You know, we've seen, certainly this year and, you know, obviously in years gone by, how, how different cars sort of adapt, adapt to the different compounds. Um, you know, so some cars look happier on, on medium compared to soft, some look happier on hard compared to medium, blah, blah, blah. Um, it could it could sort of like mix up the order, but, you, you know, if, if there's, uh, I, I didn't actually know this um, at all. I've, I've been that out of the loop this week. Um, so, if they don't have to carry a compound to start the race, so much like this, you know, they can pick their race tyre regardless of what they did their fastest lap in Q2 and all the rest of it on. So if they can still just get into Q2 and then start the race on any tyre, um, it uh, it could shake up the order a bit um, because, you know, say, for example, like, I don't know, say the Red Bull takes two laps to fire up the hard compounds and they run out of time or they can't get enough heat into them and then you know, obviously, if they lose heat, you know, they might end up breaking a bit earlier, they lose time in the corner, blah, 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 all, all the rest of it. Is it really going to sort of stop or sort of like help when cars are, you, you, you know, no, I, I get I was like absorbed, but what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's really going to make the whole, um, 
sort of like cars at the back of the grid, you know, not being able to move up um, issue. I, if someone like Leclerc or Max qualifies at the back, especially in, if their cars next year are as good as they are this year, they're not going to be able to move through the grid. Uh, so, sorry, they will be able to move through the grid regardless. It's not like they're going to be sitting there going, oh, I can't get past, I can't get past. They leave that for Hamilton against Pierre Gasly. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know the, the best drivers who do inherently get the best teams, if, even if they qualify further back, they will still be able to move, move up the grid, I think. So uh, it's an interesting concept. Um, I can kind of see why they've done it. Um, I also don't know how well it's going to benefit teams sort of further back as well. Yeah, and staying on that, uh, Coops, we've seen F1 try to make changes to this knockout-style qualifying before, infamously in 2016 when they tried that elimination-style event that lasted two weeks before they dropped it. Is this a case of, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Or do you think there is something that can be done to improve the current qualifying format? I think it's the best qualifying format we've had in a number of years. Uh, I mean, I've watched Formula One where it was 60 minutes, 12 laps, and you literally watched cars drain fuel for 55 minutes and then blitz it at the last five minutes, which was okay, it's fine. You got a good wee bit, of it, but it wasn't, you know, it was good for, for watching cars drive around the track, but it wasn't entertaining. Uh, we had a aggregate format where you had two, you had two days, you had a, the base time from one, the base time from another, which gave, I think Fisichella got a pole position for that one year. Uh, so in terms of the Q1, Q2, Q3 format, I've never had any issue with it. Uh, I suppose there's always, you've got 23 races now uh, for most years from this year to next. Why not try something new? But again, I don't really see the point. I think the only way that this could, it could be a bit better is if they reintroduced the rule about your tyre in Q2, along with this mandated tyre compound. So if they mix it up, so one race it's hard, medium, soft, the next race it's soft, medium, hard, or, you know, jumble them up, and then whatever we give you on Q2, you, you're stuck with it. So someday the Mercedes that, well, not Mercedes going by how good they are this year, but say Ferrari, gets a good time on a hard in Q2, they have to start the race on a hard, which maybe you don't want to, maybe. But then again, we're getting into that whole thing about kind of artificially creating something. And, you know, the purists are probably going to be like, why have we messed around to that degree? Try it for a couple of races, see what it does. I don't see it doing much, pretty much echoing what Tom says. I don't think it's going to do much. You might see a couple of cars getting into a Q1 or a Q2 that they might not do. Uh, but they're going to settle back into position when they hit the race because you can get, you'll get whatever tyre strategy. They'll go back to where their natural order is unless there's some sort of shenanigans. So I don't think it's going to have much of an effect overall. A bit like the sprint race, to be honest. A bit like the sprint race. Like you say, you know, we've had it since 2006. Most people don't have an issue with it. And it does, you know, occasionally throw up something weird, like, you know, a Mercedes starting. Well, I guess that's not as weird anymore, but like no. a Ferrari <laughs> starting in Q, um, well, out in Q1 or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, let's look at this weekend. We are um, 
F1 is coming to Miami. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Louis, there's a couple of uh, choice quotes from you in F1 Grid Talk history about the circuit, but um, we've finally made it to Miami. I don't think the circuit is 100% finished yet based on like any images that I've seen yet. Um, one interesting one being the way that they are actually creating that yacht club in the middle of the circuit in, you know, from a dry area. But anyway, um, Louis, Ferrari had a bit of a disappointing weekend last week. A bit of a disappointing. It was a disappointing weekend for Ferrari. Um, I think it was P6 for Leclerc in the race after we had that issue at the chicane. Um, and signs obviously out at the start after a collision with Daniel Ricciardo. Um, they're still leading. Charles Leclerc's P1, Ferrari obviously P1 in the championship as well. How do you see them faring on this new Miami circuit? Uh, yeah. Also, I would like to say, just starting my defence, those comments were about the the old Miami um, layout uh, back when it was basically just two straight lines and some squiggles um, around, the, <laughs> around the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not much better. I've literally got the circuit in front of me now. It's, it's It looks like a weird just amalgamation of Sochi, really. Um, but, yeah, Ferrari... It's clear that Red Bull have caught up. Um, they were saying that Red Bull had brought some upgrades to the car regarding the floor and what was happening underneath the floor, this like front splitter that they had, uh, this, well, not front splitter, but some like splitter that they have under the floor, which clearly was um, a huge benefit to them in Imola. And I think it's going to be similar again this weekend. Of course, Ferrari are going to be up there. And they have a tremendously fast car. They are going to be up there. You would be very surprised to see any of any of the two Ferraris maybe outside the top five. So they're gonna be there or thereabouts, but I think it's it's a new track. It's a lot of unknowns. We don't really know how the cars are going to perform on it. It's gonna be a new surface, so it's not going to be rubbed in. There's a lot of variables that are going to come into play for this race. And I think it's going to come down to which of Ferrari and Red Bull adapt to it better, you know, which of the drivers adapt to it better. And, you know, Ferrari have got a lot to prove this weekend, especially after how poor they were in Imola. Um, signs will want to probably get to the end of this race um, beyond the, the second corner. And then Leclerc will be really wanting to, to get a, you know, get, get a winner as well after such, making such a, a very rookie error for Charlotte Clay. He's always usually so consistent and so good. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a learning curve for all of the drivers involved. And, yeah, there's going to be a, it's a lot of stake as well. Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot at stake. And after the events of Imola last weekend, Tom, uh, Red Bull have certainly crept up on Ferrari. They're now only... 11 points behind in the Constructors' Championship. Max is still um, 27 points behind in the in the Drivers' Championship, but, you know, it was a lot bigger than that before Imola. Um, so how do you fare? Um, how do you think uh, Red Bull will fare this weekend? Obviously, they got a 1-2 last time out, but it's all different on a new circuit. Yeah, um, Miami is obviously very much an unknown. And yes, Red Bull did get a one-two last time up, but there was a real big element of fortune with um, Leclerc basically going Hadoken into the wall. Um, so yeah, but uh, but it was it still was a one-two. 
Um, but you know, if 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 how many times do I want to say if? Come on, Tom. If this circuit is anything like Monaco, which it perhaps could be, or something that's a bit sort of bit twistier and all the rest of it, I think we could see Red Bull do quite well because we have historically seen them do pretty well on circuits like that. We know it's something that suits their car. We know that Adrian Newey likes to build cars that sort of benefit from that kind of uh, you know that that kind of track design, if you like. Um, it also looks like that Honda power unit, or sorry, Red Bull powertrains power unit. My my bad, it's definitely not a Honda branded unit. Um, it it appears as if Red Bull are beginning to get on top of the reliability issues because there weren't any grumblings or grumbles last week from uh, from um, Imola. Mind you, there weren't any in Saudi Arabia, and then Max just went went absolutely peak tong in uh, in Australia. So hopefully they've got these sort of initial niggles out of the way. Um, if that power unit can stay reliable, then yeah, you know they've got a they've got a good chance. Um, it is ultimately a street circuit, so no, top of the desk because I'm just like, oh, I'm trying to be positive, but oh, I just think it's going to be a bit gash. Um, it's, you know, it's just. We've already had one street circuit this year, obviously in Jeddah, and and I think Miami's like a sort of like weird Frankenstein of Sochi, Monaco, and Abu Dhabi, I'd say. Um, and yeah, it's just I just I think it is going to be a case of whoever gets ahead in quality then gets a better start off the line, um, and then it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a procession after that. Obviously, I want to see Red Bull do better because I'm a Max fan. Everybody knows that. Um, but, you, you know, if, if Ferrari do well, I think at the minute everybody in F1 is quite happy. Well, almost everybody in F1 is happy to see Ferrari back up at the top. So, I don't know. Shoot me for sitting on the fence. I don't care. Come at me. Um, yeah. You, hear, you heard it here first. Shoot him for sitting on the fence on a podcast. Who'd have thought? Um Coops, uh, Mercedes P3. George Russell has finished top five in every race so far, but a lot of that has obviously come down to troubles ahead of him. Um, but I also don't think that that could be discounted with what he's having to work with this season. Um, and it's still a sight better than the Williams of the previous couple of seasons. Um, but, you know, I do you imagine that Lewis and George can pull anything out of the bag this weekend? It's dependent, probably mostly on the upgrades they're bringing to the weekend. There is uh, there are upgrades getting brought according to BBC F1. They've said they're bringing some. I don't know what they are, uh, and it's to help with the porpoising, which seems to be the main issue. For anybody that doesn't know, the porpoising has been the, the ground effect aerodynamic stall causes the car to bounce, and for whatever reason. Mercedes just don't have a handle on it, uh, which means they've got to raise the ride height, they lose downforce, uh, which means they can't stay at the front or be at the front. It's, it's a strange one with Mercedes. They've not been in this position since I think the first year they came into existence. Uh, and they realised that wasn't the way to, to run the team and they changed it, and then, you know, the rest is history. They've been the most popular, uh, the most 
successful, sorry, uh, within the turbo hybrid era. They've won just about everything you can imagine. Uh, but then this year, they've just got it wrong. And it's it's a strange one. It's not something MD should expect to see. So I'm not holding out much hope. I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to say, oh, it's tracked. Depending, you know, we had McLaren had issues in a couple of races, turned up at Australia, done really well. Lando Norris was like, no, it's the track. But every race that we've seen Mercedes on, they've not been good. And then you'd think they would do better at the last race uh, at Imola, and it was, it just didn't happen. Uh, so, yeah, I think this early on, it'll be hard to think of Mercedes being anywhere but just doing what, you know, Maybe a couple of midfield teams did jump in, get some decent points, maybe get on the podium, maybe steal a win if something happens. But uh, I just I, I just don't know what to expect from Mercedes. They're either going to be out in Q1 or in Q or in Q3. <laughs> it just seems to be one or two other this this season for them. It's it's a strange one. Uh, and I'll just go back to what Tom said about the tracks uh, quickly. I mean, he's trying to be positive and he mentioned the three tracks. He based Miami on the three tracks are probably the worst three tracks on the calendar in Sochi, Abu Dhabi and Monaco. I mean, that, that's not really positive, Tom. Uh, it, I think it's going to be more of an event at Miami rather than anything to do with the track. It's very much Instagram, look at me, get me on the... Look how it's at the Miami Grand Prix. It's just a very different world. Uh, McLaren came out and said that they've got a thousand person list for VIPs and could have had more if they were allowed to because of it's in Miami. So it's a very weird spectacle. I think it's just going to, I think the racing is an after, is an afterthought to the most people that are going to be there. It'll be interesting to watch, I suppose. Can it be any worse than driving around the car park in Las Vegas? No, instead it's just a car park in Miami. <laughs> well, it's driving round the car park and going out of it. You know, the one in the one in Las Vegas, they stayed in the car park. <laughs> it's a strange idea. Yeah, it will certainly be interesting. Uh, Louis, a little bit touched on by Coops there, but McLaren obviously had a pretty decent weekend last time out, and certainly building on the back of Australia as well, where you know. They finally managed to seemingly sort a lot of their issues. Um, how do you think they're going to fare this weekend in Miami? Like, obviously, um, we've mentioned the circuits a bit: Abu Dhabi, Monaco, um, and what was the other one? Sochi. Um, Sochi. That is it. And they're all circuits where McLaren have, you know, delivered in the past. Maybe the three of them together brings them their second win in the um, Turbo Hybrid era. <laughs> I mean, I can hope. <laughs> I can definitely hope and and pray that uh, McLaren get a win. But I think they're probably going to be. A, I think they're going to be looking for best of the rest, and I think that's going to be their goal for the rest of the season now is is to get that third place where uh, Mercedes are faltering. You know, where maybe you know Alpine aren't looking as strong, or where even the Haas these days um, may not be able to compete. I think McLaren are just they're going to be happy if they can be the third fastest team on the grid and I think that's going to be another example of what we um we see this weekend if we can get by luck it's a street circuit we may have some accidents may get some um safety cars red flags anything to 
maybe probably spice up what could be quite a dull race if we are basing it off the usual races we get in Abu Dhabi, Sochi and Monaco. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm really glad, obviously, that McLaren are taking these huge steps forward. I, I would definitely not have imagined um, McLaren being anywhere near this far up the grid after Bahrain. That was a very painful Grand Prix to sit through. But, yeah, it does seem like they've they've sourcing their issues. They, you know, <laughs> seem to be the only one who can actually work with this Mercedes engine um, and get the most out of it, given that Mercedes, Aston Martin are, are pretty much nowhere a lot of the time. So, yeah, I think it's hopeful um, for what McLaren can deliver and what they can do. Lando Norris will surely be riding a high after his podium. And, you know, Daniel Ricciardo... I think he's going to need to take, um, you know, a lot of, you know, <laughs> inspiration for the fact that Lando can get a podium in that car and maybe, you know, inspire him to to do it a bit better. Of course, he'll be hoping for more of a clean race, but he has genuinely been lacking this uh, this season and last season as well. There is potential in that McLaren car, and if both drivers get on board with it. Um, they could be, you know, really, really pushing on and making sure that Mercedes uh, don't get third place in the constructors. Yeah, absolutely. Like after um, fighting over P3 for the last two seasons, um, McLaren will be, I guess, hoping to make it P3 again this time around, if not better. But Tom, uh, Alfa Romeo, Valtteri Bottas is arguably driving the wheels off of that thing. Um and Grand Yuzhou, whilst not exactly lighting anything up, also seems to be doing a rather good, at least steady job in there as well. Yeah. Um, Bottas has looked rejuvenated ever since he... Well, ever since it was announced last year that he was leaving and that he was going to Alfa Romeo. Um, maybe it's because it's a multi-year deal. Um uh, maybe it's uh, you know maybe it's because he knows he's not uh, a, a second driver because that's basically he wasn't Mercedes and obviously Mercedes he kept on having one year extensions um, which isn't going to help anybody uh, you know sort of settle in but at Alpha he's the lead driver he's a senior driver he's he's in his thirties I believe Bottas now um, so you know so, so he's 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 not you know he's one of the more elder statesmen. Of um, of F one, uh, yeah, he, he's he looks really comfortable. He's looking pro. He settled right in in that car. He's obviously Alpha have done a good job this year. I think they have benefited a lot with the with the much 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 better um, Ferrari power unit, which obviously, which obviously you know twenty twenty and then twenty twenty one to a lesser extent was not particularly good. But both Alpha and Haas have made absolute strides this year. You know, it, it, there is obviously correlation with the Ferrari being better, um, but yeah, no, I, it, it is. It's just nice to see Bottas doing well, and 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 um, you know, you know, just just uh, you know, just if if I was him, I would have felt so smug seeing both the Mercs go out in Q two while he got into Q three. I would have felt it's so so smug, um, but yeah, but. There we are. That's just because I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, and and Guan Yu Zhou, to be fair to him, you know, this is the first sort of incident or anything he's had. He's 
he's kept his nose clean up until up until Imola. And Imola, it wasn't yeah, okay, it was a bit of a super accident, but it was inexperienced more than anything. And it's the kind of thing which 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 he'll learn over time. Because he is obviously still adapting from an F2 to an F1 car, which has huge differences. Of obviously, you know, you know, the, the pilot is vastly more complex and the, and the things feel so much different and so much quicker. You know, different regulations, much increased scrutiny. Um, obviously, there are a hell of a lot of switches on the steering wheel, all that kind of thing. So I think he's actually done a pretty pretty decent job since he's come in. He's not, uh, you know, he's not he's not come in and, and, and we've all gone, oh my God, he's the best thing since sliced bread or, or the rest of it. That was never going to be the case. And he is partly there for, for his money, let's be fair. But he's doing a decent job so far. I just hope he doesn't go full Latifi on us. I think the issue was Latifi never really did a decent job. Um, but Coops, uh, on to Alpine. Um, they're not really, I think, where they would want to be, given how they felt going into this season. Um, and obviously, um, Fernando Alonso has had a mixed bag of results, let's say. Um, but, you know, do you see them bouncing back this time around? Or do you think that, you know, they're going to struggle again this weekend? I think they'll just be very alpine. You kind of forget they're there this season. Uh, I can't remember seeing Ocon on the screen at all during the race at the last Grand Prix. Uh, we saw Alonso only because... Mick Schumacher's rear wheel decided to make love to the side pod, uh, put him out. So, you know, that was that. Uh, it's, they're, they're a very weird team. Uh, and they're, it's, they're very... As a works team, they should be higher up. They should be up there with McLaren. They should be getting third, fourths and whatever else that they can get. But they never seem to do that. Even when there's shenanigans in front of them, they still end up eighth or ninth. You know, they just—they're just there. It's, it's just, I, I don't really know what they'll do. You know, it's—they're either going to be completely anonymous, or at the end of the race, we'll look at the list of you know the finishers and see their fourth. You know, it's uh, uh, their car. The car's okay. I mean, it's not the fastest, but they never have been. It's not the slowest. It kind of—I think they've—they've quite—they've—they've quite, they've done a good job to jump. Alpha Tauri, they're not really performing where they should be at the minute. And of course, they're better than Aston, who really kind of got things wrong with their car. So they're, you know, I think they're comfortably around about the fourth fastest team. You know, now McLaren have kind of sorted themselves out. But yeah, they're nothing spectacular. They're just getting on with it. They'll be there or thereabouts. Uh, and uh, you know, that's, 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 that's it. There's no real excitement. There's no real spark within the team at the moment. Yeah, I would agree with that. Louis, on to Alfie Towery then, who I'd say this time last season were very much, you know, sort of fighting over um, fifth. This time around, they seem to have fallen back a bit. And is that more because teams have caught up with them or more would you say it's more because like they just haven't had like the consistency that you know Pierre Gasly had last season he's kind of not been as prominent this season yeah it's been weird to see Gasly not performing at his um at his best because we have seen some great performances from Gasly since he 
return to the Torosso slash Alfatari team. And I think it is I think it is a bit of a shame that we we haven't seen it. And I would like I think we all would like um Gatti to be doing a lot better. But you know, Sonoda has been improved this year. I think he's been getting the most out of out of the car and doing the best that um that he can. I just don't think there really is all that much pace in that AlphaTauri. Um I think it was definitely shown um during qualifying um for, for Imola like on the Friday when they were just both out in in Q1 it's a uh, it's kind of weird because they they have always just been that sort of they're they're about uh, midfield team and one week they're up one week they're down and they just the lack of consistency has always been uh quite hindering um to their constructors um challenges and I think that's just what this is I think they're just they're just at the moment they're just down a bit on form. I'm sure they'll probably rack up some, you know, decent points finishes in the future. Will it happen in Miami? We don't know. We don't know how this track is going to suit their car or how uh, either Gasly or Sonoda are going to going to react to it uh, to the track and get to grips with it. But uh, yeah, is it, they're they're an odd team, and it's it. it they're a weird one to talk about. It's kind of just like Aston Martin or Haas. It's you never really know where they're going to be one weekend to the next. Yeah, I always find it weird that people have started bringing up Haas as a Ferrari B team, but no one in the same conversation tends to bring up Alpha Tauri as a Red Bull team. Um, but anyway, on to Ferrari B. No Haas. Um, Tom, uh, they're doing rather well this season, and it's pretty much entirely down to a lack of. Mazepin. Um, and I think Imola kind of proved that the Australian poor result was a bit of a blip um, because they seemed to bounce back. And were it not for, you know, um, colliding with Alonso on Mick Schumacher's behalf, um, they could have maybe even seen both cars enter the top 10, at least at, po- at points. Um, how do you think Haas is going to fare off in what is one of their yeah two home races this season um i yeah uh, first of all you mentioned australia was a blip for them i fully agree because the pace they showed in bahrain um or bahrain as crafty seems to now say and um and Jeddah and then Imola, yeah um yeah that the has is a good car this year never thought we'd be saying that after last year um I mean, this weekend, I say this weekend, next weekend, you would have to say, oh, well, I feel I have to say that I think Haas will do a good job. Um, But again, because they've, um, you know, because we don't know what their circuit is going to be like, you know, you know, um, you know, it, it, it may, you know, there may be some characteristics of it which they just can't get to grips with. You know, whether whether it's going to be certain narrow things, whether there's going to be undulation. I mean, I don't think there's going to be undulation. It's a street circuit. It's going to be flatter than Cape Moss. But um, but you know, but but it's um, think about it. Um, but um, but you know, the it's just I I again I do think Haas will go well, and I think it is only a matter of time before Mick Schumacher gets into the points. He got. A bit unlucky in Imola, but was it he he went into Alonso, didn't he? Because he caused all the damage to Alonso's side pod. 
That's you. right. Yeah. I thought so. I just rejigged my own memory. It's been a long two weeks. Um, no, hasn't. It's only been a week. Come on, Tom. Um, that says a lot. Um, no, uh, uh, with yeah, has to, you, you would think you would think they'll go well. Um, I'm expecting them to go well. Um, you know, we, we saw them at Jeddah. Um, you know, the street circuit, which I think is fairly similar to Miami. They did well. well I mean, you know, K-Mac did well, and Mick was on for a good lap before he had that pretty nasty crash. Um, so we didn't actually get to see what it was like on race day. Um, you know, based on what we know about the team, so or based on what we know about the Haas this year, based on what we've what we've seen from them, um, I I have a feeling they'll do well. I I have hope. I have faith that, that they're going to do well. I don't think we'll see both cars in the points. I think a time when we get when we see Mick in the points probably going to be a little bit later in the season at a circuit he's perhaps a bit more familiar with or that is perhaps a bit easier. It's maybe somewhere like Austria. I think we could potentially see him in the points um, or, you know, you know, maybe Silverstone or someone like that where he's a bit, where he's a bit more familiar with the circuit. Um, he's not, you know, he's not learning the track. On the other hand, though, um, because the circuit is new to everyone, he, he might just click with it and it might just, you know, he might just have an absolute barnstorming weekend um but yeah no i'm i'm not even quite confident i'm very confident that house will do well and if they do terrible i'm gonna look like a right idiot tom downey's bold prediction mick schumacher wins in miami no 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 no, no, no i didn't say that <laughs> no 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 you might as well have done you alluded to it um coops. No, I didn't <laughs> coops aston martin um have finally got some points this season. And I think after Australia, no one really thought that would happen. But, um, you know, it's still very much a team that is kind of in a bit of a crisis. You know, they've got one driver who pretty much everyone apart from their his dad is like questioning the ability of. And you've got a four-time world champion who, you know, whilst putting a strong performance in Imola, um, didn't quite, well, hasn't exactly maximised the car yet this season and obviously did miss two rounds due to COVID. Um, what do you... Like, I, I, we keep saying... what I keep asking how people think they're going to fare this weekend and obviously we don't know what Miami's actually going to be like, but you know, do you see a way out of this slump for Aston Martin? No. <laughs> it does... Okay, the, moving on. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a fundamental issue with Aston Martin and I don't know what it is now is it the stroll effect where these came in and went I've got all this money do what you want and they don't know what to do because up until that point they were very prudent they were very like we need to make sure this works we are not I mean they were they were that tight with the money that they didn't cut the grass at the factory because the money they paid they spent to get the the landscaping done they put into the car that's how you know tight things were there and Force India uh, as Aston Martin were in the past where they shot above their weight, they shot above where they should have done with the budget uh, for years uh, for a long, long time until obviously money situation caught up with them. Uh, now Aston Martin's come in and everybody or uh, strolls have come in rebiased as Aston Martin uh, and said right we've got money we're going to do this, they're building the factory, and it seems as if they just don't know what to do with it. 
you think, right, we've got a bit more money, we can do what we want, but then it's like, oh, well, what, what do we do? Uh, fundamentally, they've got the car wrong. It doesn't work. Uh, so now they're in the cost cap era. Two seconds. Didn't want to, to deafen everybody when I was coughing there. Uh, so you're now under a cost cap era. The cars come on track. It is not performed anywhere near where they want it to perform. So everything they've set out for the rest of the years can't. They now need to spend the time and the money to fix the issues with the car rather than developing the car to make it better. Which I think Mercedes are also in that situation, which is why they're probably not going to be fighting for a championship. So, yes, they've done really well. The other, the other chink in their armour as well as that is the drivers. Now... You can come at me if you want, if you're a Sebastian Vettel fan as a person, as a guy, he's great. In Formula One, he doesn't have anything to prove. They don't have that spark to kind of push it. You know, he's there, he's doing what Kimmy's done the last God knows how many years of, his, of Kimmy's career, but he just was there, just got on with it. <coughs> so, and Stroll, he's all right, but He's never going to win a championship, Stroll. Sebastian Vettel's won his championship, and in that car, you're not getting to win a championship. So there's there's so many more things with Aston Martin than just a poor couple of races. They need to kind of change something within the culture of the team. Uh, I think this season's pretty much done already. I think that's a bit of a reset. I think it's they've got a They've got to look at themselves and fix something. There's been talk that there's a, there's a fear because, you know, the you know, overlord Stroll comes in, everyone kind of doesn't know what to do. He's quite a presence. They, they, he kind of panics them. I don't know. Maybe it's a fear of making a mistake. Maybe they've took on what Ferrari were like. You don't want to be innovative because if you make a mistake, you're in trouble and you're getting canned. So maybe that's what they're like. I don't know. But yeah, there's more, there's more fundamental issues than just a bad couple of weekends or a car that didn't sort of track within Aston Martin. So if they get their sell in at the top 10 and grab a few points, I think that's pretty much the limit. Yeah, absolutely. And Louis, to cap off the grid, uh, another team that have been obviously having a lot of issues this season and um, quite a couple of repair jobs as well. Williams, um, very much struggling still. They've got a point, which means that the entire grid has got points um, in terms of constructors this season. But one point at this point now that teams are all scoring points isn't going to, um, you know, it's not going to fix a Williams season like it could have done a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, unfortunately, this is a... <laughs> we're still seeing the Williams struggle. Even though I do have to say defensive Alex Albon, he is doing quite a good job in that Williams. And he is... Um, his 10th place in Australia was epic. And, you know, he did a fairly good, good job. I think that went fairly overlooked um, in Imola. Despite the fact he didn't get points, I think he's still doing a very good job. I think the issues are more coming from the other car and a certain Canadian who is behind the wheel, um, who I think after a couple of years in this sport, I, I think people are starting to really realise that he just isn't quite good enough. Um Louis, we stop talking about Aston Martin. We're talking about Williams now. 
there's the other other Canadian. <laughs> um, but yeah, Latifi. Yeah, I think we uh, we're all starting to just understand now that he he's probably just not quite good enough, and he is now becoming that sort of the 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 butt of the joke when it comes to driving performances now that Mazepin's out of the sport and I think Guan Yu is doing a lot better than a lot of people would uh, would go initially give him credit for. So, yeah. Um, I don't think things are really going to change all that much for Williams. Um, I can't see them, you know, developing this car immensely. Um, and I guess it's what they get for scoring points last season and not getting um, as much... <laughs> Uh, wind tunnel time as they might have got if they didn't have a few exceptional uh, <laughs> results last uh, last season. So, yeah, I can't expect much to change. I think on pure pace, I probably are still going to be the slowest car throughout this season. We may see Albon, um, you know, score maybe a few more points. There is definitely potential. I mean, given Aston Martin in Nimola, there is definitely potential for more points out there for Williams. Um, but will it be enough to probably drag them off the bottom? I don't know. It depends on um, how Aston Martin, because realistically, those are the two uh, two teams um, that are going to be fighting each other for last place. Um, and yeah, and I think just Latifi just needs to keep it out the wall, and then uh, <laughs> Williamson can keep on going. But as a street circuit, um, Latifi may find that the walls come at him quite thick and fast. Yeah, we might be seeing a couple of safety cars or red flags. And if they continue the Imola trend of announcing a safety car or red flag in a couple of seconds, we'll definitely see some red flags this weekend. Um, But that is the constructors. Let's have a look at some predictions now. So, Tom, who's going to win it this weekend other than Mick Schumacher? Well, it's obviously Mick Schumacher, isn't it? Um, He's going to get a grand slam. He's going to lap everybody, absolutely everybody, um, even himself. Um, no, um, I don't know that. I'm going to say shock horror. I'm going to say Max is going to win. I can see Ruby rolling her eyes. Um, I think Leclerc will come home second. Uh, if Carlos Science can keep it, sorry, just see a cat walking through. Don't mind me. Just in my background, it's flopping down the stairs. There she goes. Um, yeah, if Carlos Science can keep it out out of, you know, if if he can stop his car trying to impregnate Danny Ricks McLaren, then um, then I think we could maybe see him P three. Yeah, so I, I'm going to go Max Leclerc Science. Max Leclerc signs. Well, Coops, um, I was only going to ask you for your winner, but we'll cut. Co- we'll continue the trend that Tom Downey has <laughs> set. So, your podium uh, for the weekend, please. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay, I'll, I'm going to say it's Max again. I think they've got they've got a handle on the reliability, and Max just doesn't make mistakes. This is the thing about Leclerc and Max. Leclerc shouldn't do what he did in the last race and bin it like that. That's just. If you want to win world championships in Formula One these days, you can't do that even this early on in the season. Uh, so I think it's Max. Uh, dear. Max Perez and Leclerc is my top three. 
almost the same as Imola. Um, obviously, um, the Ferrari being the substitute there. But Louis, uh, your top three, please. I'm going to make it a, a grand slam run for um, Max on the top step. Um, yeah, I think then it's going to be Charles P3. And I'm going to go, no, sorry, Charles P2 and Perez P3. Uh, I'm going to break the duck and think that uh, Leclerc might bounce back this weekend. So I'm going to put Leclerc on top. Um I'd also like Sainz to have a strong weekend, but I'm going to put him P3 and then Max is going to occupy P2. Um, yeah. Uh, bold predictions now. Um, and I'll go straight to... Oh, he's back. Um, I'll go to Tom. Um, bold prediction for this weekend, please, Tom. Okay. Um, apologies. I had to blow my nose and so I turned my camera off. Um, bold prediction. Uh Make sure Mac gets a grand slam. No, um both Mercedes finish in the top twenty. <laughs> in the top ten. I was gonna say top six, but I think that's ambition over adhesion. Um yeah, okay, so both moats get points. Both Mercs get points for Tom Downey. Coops, your bold prediction, please. Uh, I'm going to stick with what I've done in the Everything F1 pod uh, pretty much every time I've been asked, and that's make sure Mercs can get points. Because I see it all the time, and then he ends up crashing and qualifying and doesn't end up in the race. So I just, just want him to get a point. So that's my, that's my bold prediction. It's the George Russell gets points ball prediction from um, all the times beforehand. <laughs> Every time George was on the show, it would be Russell for points, Russell crashes, Russell for points, Russell crashes. Louis, your bold prediction, please. Well, I've got to stick with my own traditions, and that is the Canadian god Nicholas Latifi for points. I said it. I said it last year that it actually <laughs> happened, and I was shocked. And. <laughs> But this year, I think it may be a little bit more bold, and especially given it's a street circuit, it could be even bolder still. But uh... the bolder one would be that Latifi doesn't cause a red flag <laughs> in practice one. <laughs> All right, here, here's a bold prediction for you: um, the Canadian Blues brothers don't have an accident this weekend. Oh dear God! Hell will freeze over if that happens. <laughs> Um, my bold prediction is going to be a um, double points finish for Haas. Yay! Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll follow on from Coopers, but yeah, we'll um, go with that. I like yeah, that. A double points finish for Haas because one of them, you know, maybe Magnussen, you know, gave um, Schumacher the points by you know not finishing. Maybe they both got it, but who knows? Um, so. Again, uh, before we go on to the opportunity to promo, just because of the times, we are going to obviously, you know, um, mention that today of the day of recording is the anniversary of the death of Roland Ratzenberger. And of course, that means that, you know, it's the anniversary of Imola 94, um, where we also lost Ayrton Senna. Um, so I'm going to go over to you, Coops, on this um, 
you know, how it, how, why do we have to keep the events of, you know, Emily 94 in our memory? And, you know, like, how can, how can F1 continue to honour the, the legacy of these two drivers, obviously? I mean, I don't think it can really be expressed the impact of losing Ayrton Senna that weekend and the whole weekend itself, but Ayrton Senna himself, he was, he was, he was the legend of the sport. He was, you know, he finally went into Williams. He wasn't having a great season. And then, you know, what happened in 1994, I was a very young man at the time. And the image of it, you know, running down the stairs, you know, I was living at home, putting on the big telly, as we said, you know, got the house to myself, everyone's having a sleep in, it's Sunday morning. And you can see the image, and even back then as a young boy, I was about 12 at the time, you know, even I knew it wasn't right. It was just weird. I'm like, right, get out of the car. Well, you didn't. Okay. You know, the whole weekend was weird. It's like if someone wrote a movie about a Formula One race that went wrong and they listed these things nobody everyone would think it was bizarre you know you had Rubens Barrichello crashing getting launched into the barrier and almost killing himself or the barrier's almost killing him uh, William Ratzenberger his wing failed caused him to pass away Ayrton Senna passed away JJ Leto had a really massive accident in the start which caused the race to be red flagged and then you had people in the pit that got hit by a wheel, which necessitated the, the, the speed limit. Everything happened in like a four-day period, which ultimately have sent Formula One into where we're at now. You know, Formula One wouldn't be Formula One without that weekend. As much as we don't want to remember it, we have to, because it wouldn't, something else would have had to happen for all the changes to be made. They kind of panicked and made a lot of changes that they shouldn't have done in '94 because they had to be seen to do some stuff. It was very much a case of, but just changing it with no real idea of what it was going to do. You know, but speed limits, safety things in the in the pits. You know, changing the the tracks. The cars and the tracks weren't working together. They're either too dangerous, too fast. Everything kind of took us. Everybody took a step back and reevaluated racing in Formula One uh, and we should by right remember that we can you know you, you want to forget bad things but you have to also remember the significance of it uh, it's, it, it's it's a weekend that it transcends Formula One it, it's just something that has to be remembered and it has to be brought up uh, and you know, even at worst, gives us an opportunity to remember how good Ayrton Senna was, how good Rubens Barrichello's career was, and, you know, maybe even keeping the memory of Roland Ratzenberger very early on in his career, I think it was his first or second race, you know, what could have been. His, uh, I noticed on Twitter after the race last weekend that his dad was actually at the race with the helmet of from 1994, which, you know, you had to take a wee minute. It was a wee tear in the eye there when that, you're like, oh, the man... Um, so he's still keeping his son's uh, legacy alive and as a Formula One fan family we should do the same yeah absolutely um, Tom was there anything else you wanted to add to this um... Um, yeah you know, I just want to sort of like echo what Coop said um, 
you know, you know, Coos, you, you just spoke very, very well about the whole weekend itself. And I'm not going to talk too much about Renati Four because it was six or so months before I was born. You know, I wasn't born until November 1994, so I don't actually remember it. Yes, yes. But, I'm an older one. Uh, older and wiser, Coos. Um, <laughs> but what, but, you know, for, for F1, um, can I, you, um, you know, for, for F1, what, what we can, what we need to remember is the lessons learned from this just tragic, tragic weekend. You know, we, we lost two drivers. We almost lost three and could have lost four that weekend. Let's be, first of all, let's be thankful that we didn't. Um, but also, if you look at the the changes that F1 put in after Imola 94, you know, if you look at sort of subsequent accidents afterwards, as you know, as as the sport has evolved and the safety has evolved, you know, the, the last time we saw a, a driver lose their life was obviously Joel Bianchi in, you know, in, in, in an F1 car. And then, and if, if you look at the likes of Grosjean's crash from 2020, the, the advancements in safety with things like the hands device, with the, you know, with with the with, with, with the carbon monocoque, with you know, with the with the stronger you know, the stronger built cars, with the um, you know, with the crash helmets, with the gloves, with everything the drivers have, you know, it's sad that it took what happened at Emla for F one and FIA and just to the sport in general to to, to really begin to improve things. But sorry, my cat's licking me that's really weird um really interrupted my flow um but f1 has learned from 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 its past mistakes and that's one of the biggest things from it is that they that we don't have these kind of accidents anymore it's like these days in f1 when when you see a big accident take max at um silverstone last year for example that was a huge impact into the wall. And he walked out the car. You know, Grosjean, he pulled himself out of, out of out of a fireball. He literally is the man who walked out of fire. Um, and and you know, Charles Leclerc had a huge impact at Monza in 2020, which brought a red flag. He walked away. Alonso, back in 2016, he walked away after his car barrel rolled about three times and hit the um it hit the wall. Um, F1 has come an awfully long way in terms of safety, uh, you, you know, you're protecting the driver. Um, and it's good that as a sport, it learned from the mistakes and the incidents that happened at, um, at Imola. It's good that we, we very, 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 very rarely see any kind of incident that we think will even get close to being somebody being hospitalised, let alone somebody being, um, you know, let alone seeing a driver lose their life. So as tragic as that weekend was, F1 and uh, the safety of motorsport in general is just an awful lot better than it was. Yeah, absolutely. Very well put um, from both of you. Um, so now I think it's a good opportunity to um, uh, give the, 
people some promo. So obviously, Louis, um, you occasionally do things for um, Spotlight Pro as well. Um, but you know, if people want to find anything that you do, um, where do you want to? Where do you? Where should they go? Oh, more commonly than not, I'm actually just a host of this podcast, to be honest. Um, but uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at L underscore G underscore Edwards. Um, if you want to, um, yeah, find, um, you know, more from me and my my personal, more personal opinions on um, on Formula One and any other sports, really. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we've got the pair from uh, Everything F1. Um, I'll let either of you take this um, to, you know, explain everything F1 or even just, you know, where people can go if they want to find you yourselves online. Okay. Alrighty. Well, everything F1's been going for a few years now. Uh, We can be found on just about every social media platform at JoinEF1. We tend to focus on Formula One, but do dip our hand in the occasional Formula E, IndyCar sort of stuff. We have our own podcast, can be found in most, pretty much every podcasting streaming service, including Apple and Spotify. Uh, personally, I am on Twitter at Jamie underscore EF1 as well. I, so come along. We've also got a website on everything F1 at everythingf1.com. Fabulous. And if people want to find me, I mostly just tend to be on these um, podcasts at this point. Um, so make sure you are subscribed to Formula on Grid Talk. Um, but also, if you want to find me on any of the socials, it's probably at Rubes, R-U-U-B-E-Z, maybe stick 001 if you can't find me at that point, um, just because someone will have got there first. But at that point, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, as you can see if you are watching the live stream, um, as well as Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search F1, uh, just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on uh, f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Also, make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much to the panelists for joining me. Thank you. No worries. Pleasure. Cheers. Yeah, and thank you very much for listening and goodbye.